This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Mole from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Quickfire Finance. What's up, Ryan? What's up? Good. What's up, as they would say in Scream movie. It's Monday. How's your weekend? Good? Yeah, I worked Saturday, Sunday. Get uh, stood up or? I got, yeah, a couple cancellations. No. Oh, yeah, desperation. Oh, a shocker as well, so we're good. We're yeah, good. yeah well, I, don't, I can understand. <laughs> okay. Question of the day. <laughs> Throw me out of the bus first few minutes. All right. <laughs> uh, this is Jordan's last episode. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> We are a couple in our late 70s and realize that our remaining years on this planet are becoming limited. We live in a freehold home. We agreed with your advice in the Herald recently to stick with share market ups and downs. However, we consider that this strategy may be more applicable to younger and or wealthy investors. We have a mixed international share portfolio administered by a financial advisor. Current value is reduced to 260000 following a recent market meltdown. We have experienced a roller coaster ride over many years with growth in some years being discounted by loss in other years. Given our age and limited resources, we would be grateful if you could advise if we should from the following options, Brian. Hang in and persevere until we're 80 or a longer time period. Or... Instruct our advisor to sell down the portfolio and thereafter invest the capital in a less risky and more secure option. What would you think there, mate? Bit of a tricky one or? No. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. Yeah, I feel like you might have the answer. But just the the first comment in that is from the NZ Herald from Mary Holm. And uh, we we include these because it's important that we, we talk to those key pain points that people have. I'd love to have more of the questions from the listeners themselves. So email me at ryan at oneplan.co.nz. Uh, but, yeah, this this is the most continual narrative that Greg's had to deal through his whole career. And now I'm getting used to it. And I'm just – because one of the most challenging things I find is to to try and work out why does someone actually need an advice, you know? Like if they were to upskill themselves, couldn't they just do it themselves? And a lot of people can, and I'm supportive of that, and we're going to keep creating content so people can do that more effectively. But it's instances like this where you get caught up in the idea of greed, you know? So you had a financial advisor, and they recommended you, you're in your 70s, and you go on to a mixed international share fund. It might not even be fund, it might just be shares, which is even more concerning. So you've got this advisor that... The challenge is like there's different advisors. So, for example, for a period of time, I had an index fund. And then I to process it, you have to go to a broker. So I went to Craig's 
Um, you can look them up if you like because they were a broker that could transfer it. But the person I saw was what you call a registered financial advisor. So that's what I was when I was doing insurance. And all you really have to do is pay a levy and tick a few boxes. And now you're an advisor. Ta-da. <laughs> so I would call people, oh, hi, I'm Ryan. I'm a registered financial advisor from such and such company, blah, blah, blah. I don't know anything about finance, you know? So that that's that's a lot of what's out there, especially when they're the, the I guess, the transactional part of a share investment. So if you're trying to process um, the investment through a company to process to pay for shares, quite often they're not AFAs because AFAs, part of their qualifications is you've got to look at the holistic view, you've got to go through a financial six-step process, you also have to prepare a plan fit to purpose. There's still AFAs that get around that and don't do that, um, but for the most part there's a process. So quite often when you go to these institutional groups and um, – they're just promoting shares. They're usually an RFA or also um, a QFE, um, qualifying financial entity. So why that's important is that they go on people in their sixties. They're like, "What shares should I get?" He says, "Get these shares." Mm-hmm. But what he can't say or she can't say is that you specifically should get these shares because of this. All they can actually say is. As a class, which is class advice, people your age demographic would usually invest in something like this, or these are the top shares. So that doesn't take into consideration their personal circumstances, their risk tolerance. It doesn't take into consideration that they're going to need to take the money out. It's just like, what shares should I buy? Then the funny thing is this old couple leaves, someone else comes in, and they're like, oh, I need to sell my shares. And so they would... They wear two hats. They wear the buying hat and the selling hat. So when buying, they talk it up. When selling, they talk the same company down. And it's not based on their personal advice. So in this instance, you got people in their 70s in a share fund. So even if this was a diversified share fund, global index funds, you're not going to lose money. But that could drop by 40%. I don't know how many 70-year-olds can handle that. But even if they could handle that, how can they use that as an income? That's the most important part. When you're in your 70s, maybe you're saving for the next 30 years so when you die, your kids are well off. But the likelihood with most New Zealanders, they don't have that cash. They need that cash to fund their income. So you've got these share funds really volatile. They're going to have to take an income out of that. Maybe they take out dividends, but that's not reliable. You take out 3% dividends. New Zealand has higher dividends because um, companies have a limit of growth. So in New Zealand, they can't actually grow past a certain point. They have to go international. So how do you entice a shareholder? You give them an income through dividends. You share the profit. So that's okay. a certain level, but it's obviously taxable and not reliable. You know, every year a company might change their dividend structure because they need the cash. So that's the problem. They can't use that investment strategy as an income. They can't deal with unexpected expenses. They might get lucky. Maybe the market's gone down by 20% and they can sell, but the odds that they'll be lucky, as I say, it's a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest concern. So, first, it's the advice how much is their income going to, how much income do they need? What's the right insurance for them? Estate planning. They've probably got a mess of estate planning potentially because most New Zealanders do. So, what I mean by that is having enduring powers of attorney if someone passes away, having joint accounts so you're not waiting to access the account. So you're not stuck in probate, processing the will. Um, and then also, obviously, 
what's the right um, investment strategy for those circumstances. And for them, most likely, it would be between a conservative and a balanced portfolio. They'd take it out as of an income. They'd have less of a roller coaster. They wouldn't have the threat of losing their money, and they'd have an income to rely on for the rest of their lives. So be wary just because someone says financial advisor doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Like, Even if I'm an AFA or Greg's a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, don't assume we know what we're talking about. Mm. Upskill, filter it through the processes that we're sharing on this episode and um because that's a clear red flag even you like you saw that and you're like well that's not good yeah so we've got to improve that understanding there mr greville so they they're suggesting here do we hang in until we're 80 or older or do we sell up and both of them seem like not very good options in this situation (laughs) do you cut your losses and then go into a balance portfolio and then draw down on you know what you're suggesting or do you have you know what which one's yeah. a better option here they're getting on oh well when i saw that waiting to or 80 i'm like well that's if you make it to 80 mm. you kind of want to live live for today and you've got but you've got another 10 years they're in their 70 or 70s i think so potentially 10 more years before they're 80 What's the market going to do in that point period of time? Yeah, you don't know. And how are you going to live? You you kind of want to be living stress-free when you're that old. And I've got enough money. They've got a mortgage-free home. So what would your advice be in that in this certain situation based on the two options they think they have? Or would it be something totally different? Yeah, so it'd be tricky. So the the un, what the investments are matter. Um, but if you want to use a general rule, you you would sell off the ones that um, have performed in a positive manner. So if they've got a diversified um, share portfolio that's not just a fund, then they they'd sell off the ones that did arise okay. and they had that accessibility. And then you would actually look at the underlying threat of having that money invested in a certain company. So if it's in an individual company and that company doesn't have good books, doesn't have good price to earnings, which is um, a sort of a measure you can use in shares, like how much is the share price relative to what the company earns, and quite often it's quite overpriced. So you can use sort of filters to gauge things. Do they have a moat? Do they have um, strong processes to defend? Like are they susceptible to a technological change or advancement? But yeah, if it's if it's an index fund, then you you could wait a few years, and then co- consolidate it once it's a positive return. If it's individual companies, you would err on potentially sell it, regardless. Um, but ideally, look at the actual underlying company itself mm. and see if it can turn around. So, in summary, sell off the things that are positive. If an it's index fund, hang in. Um, if it's individual companies, look at the underlying. Um, I guess, structure of the company and how it works and then make a call. So it is a tricky thing. Yeah, you've got to be educated too to make those decisions yeah. rather than relying on a potentially poor financial advisor yeah. like you're suggesting. Yeah. You don't know who their advisor is. Yeah. Could be Mary Holm. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> now, nah, in fairness, Mary Holm has good advice and suddenly it's just out-of-the-box advice. What does Greg say? A sex therapist that's never been in a relationship. <laughs> good shout should we leave it at that mate I think yeah. we summed it up I think we did alright yeah. good alright thanks again if you need your audio edited jordan nzaudioeditors.com 
Give me a ring, give me an email. I'll change your life. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye well, yeah, yeah, you're good at it. <laughs> Bye. See ya. <laughs>